Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter. Now this is after the Holy Spirit was given. Uh, They started to speak with other tongues and this miracle was happening. People were hearing uh, the mighty deeds of God in their own language. And in this context, there were some people that were mocking the early believers. And they were saying, oh, they're just drunk with wine. And in this setting and on this stage, Peter stands up and it says, Taking his stand with the eleven, he raised his voice and he declared to them, the people that were there, whether they were just in bewilderment or whether they were mocking, Peter stood up and he said to those folks, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. It's like You better listen to what I'm about to say to you. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this was spoken of through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. We'll stop there. I'm going to bypass the issue of prophecy for this particular message right now, and I want to focus in on visions and dreams. And as I was contemplating this aspect of young people, and this is what it's saying, young people will see visions and the old people will dream dreams. And I was contemplating this for a second. A vision is to be able to, in a certain sense, see a preferable future. It could be. It's to see a picture of what will come or you believe is to come. It is understanding that this is reality, but I see a vision of something that is not currently happening. Okay? And so young people will see visions and old, old people will dream dreams. As I was thinking about that, this is absolutely right. And especially nowadays, if, if I think about young people, let's just bucket it as, let's say, millennials for a second, okay? And as young people have now graduated from college in a very, very saturated marketplace, whereas the number of folks with a college degree, now graduate degree, is far more than a generation ago. And so you graduated maybe in a down economy. Maybe the, the, the field of your study was not what carried you into the actual career that you took when you came out of the gates. And I have heard and I have seen a lot of young people with a deflated view of their future. A sense of not complete hopelessness, but um, I just don't know if I'm going to get any breaks. It's just... There's just too many people, and I just don't know if I can get this going. And there is this prevalent idea amongst a younger generation that, you know what? I just don't know. I'm not that hopeful for our country. I'm not that hopeful for, for, uh, for retirement. I'm not that hopeful for the things that we can do saving growing up until then. I'm not that hopeful for the jobs that I will get. I'm not that hopeful for being able to climb up a corporate ladder, to be able to work in one job for 40 years. I'm not that hopeful for my future. I've heard that in a certain sense. I've heard sentiments of that. And 
to have young people, and God says young people will be able to see visions. When God's Spirit gets in the heart of a young man or a young woman, something comes out of there and it lets them escape from reality and for a second be able to see a glimpse of something that is not, that could be or will be. And so for a young person to be able to see visions is tremendously important. Tremendously important. And I see that especially nowadays in this generation of young adults. And then the old folks, right? Uh, When you get to a certain place, you start to get comfortable, right? And I mean, even now, I mean, as I kind of knock on the door of 40, like I I get comfortable. It's like I I know what I've done for the last 20 years and I'm Okay, that's like my arena, and that's where I'll stay. And to be able to take risks, the, the sense of adventure of a young child, I mean, you look at our boys for a second, I mean, just to watch them play with a stick in a box is pretty amazing, actually, right? It's pretty amazing. Their sense of imagination of what is not, but actually is in their minds, is so colorful, so beautiful, and I never want to quench that. I never want to tell them that that's childish or stupid, because that's so beautiful, to be able to see and, and dream and vision and imagine. Jacob's lost. Six teeth so far. And he really believes there's a tooth fairy, right? He really believes that. Money comes. It's, it, I, I hear it. I wait for it in the morning. I'm, I'm, I'm awake. And when he wakes up, he's lost just one more came out last week. And then I hear it. I, a gasp from his room, right? And I'm just waiting for him to walk in. And he, he grabs it. And he's walking into the room like this. That the tooth fairy came. And I don't want to take that away from him. I want him to continue to believe in a world of possibilities that is, in a sense, not shackled to reality. Because that sense of imagination dies as the years go on. You get into high school, you get into college, you get out of college, and all of the dreams of what you thought would happen, you just get your first job and you have your first manager and all of a sudden, that went all out the window. I don't believe in that anymore, right? And as the years pile on, we get, in a sense, comfortable. We're averse to risk-taking. The courage to step out into new territory gets smaller And we begin to just stay in this small little boundary. And it just shrinks and it shrinks from the imagination of the world of our childhood. And it gets smaller and smaller. And it just stays in this little arena. And we go to our work and we go home and we go to our work and we go home. And then we go to a a place and then we go home and then we go to that place again next week. and And there's this small world that surrounds us. And God says to the old folks, I want you to dream again. I want you to be able to see a picture that is not handcuffed to the moment in reality. And I love that idea of young people seeing visions and old people dreaming dreams. Now, if you consider yourself a young person, if you consider yourself an old person, I want you to pray to God for those visions and dreams. 
to be able to take you out of what is comfortable and safe and begin to dream again, to see a picture of what God can do. Lately, God is taking me down an arena where, in a sense, I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable. It's been uncomfortable the last few months, kind of starting uh, some personal projects and trying to get them off of the ground. In a sense, I, I, there have been so many times, I kid you not, in these last few months, where I wake up or before I go down, I say, I just, I just want to quit. I just don't know if I could, it's just, I don't know if this is going to work. And there is this fear that sets in that is so detrimental to the dream. And it just sets in and it casts a long dark shadow over that. It says, that's not really possible. And and I grab on to that dream and I say, God, you promised something before and I see a dream of what you want to do now through my life and I want to hang on to that. But it takes a lot of discomfort, of of stepping out of what I normally do and putting your neck and your name and your face out there on the line for somebody to to trample on. But in so doing, you you believe and and you trust. And in line with old people dreaming dreams, yesterday we had a book club meeting and we met at Tay's house. And I I know Tay's family for, for some years now and his dad is about 70 years old, I think. And he has a printing business that you know, he's done for years and has done very well. He's an uh, a elder of his church and he serves, in a sense, like a full-time staff member at the church. He's always there. He wears like embroidered shirts of the church everywhere he goes. It's pretty, pretty, pretty wonderful to see that. And he's at a, a place right now where he's selling his printing business starting a new business at the age of 70, right? And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, after the book club meeting was over, I, I ventured over and I started talking to Elder Kim and we sat in a little back area of the house and, and as we were chatting, like, I sit with the guy, I feel like I'm getting younger, I told him. I, I said, Elder, when I'm with you, I feel like I'm the one getting younger. What's going on here? The, 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 the vitality of his voice, the, the energy that exudes from him. And as he sees the business that's in front of him, he's just filled with childlike dreams. And normally when you're 70, you're thinking about golfing at five days a week, right? And you're thinking about different things. And he's thinking about getting a business off of the ground. How can we get the website going? How? And he's trying to, to gather people. How do we get the word out? I want this company to be known across all of America, he's talking about. And it's like, wow, this guy at the age of 70 is dreaming some pretty phenomenal dreams. And he's not just doing it to, to establish another business. He has definitely faith interwoven through all of that. And I was reminded of the power of an older generation person hanging on to dreams and to believe. Now, if you are a young person, and let's say the older folks in your life, maybe your parents, the significant mentors that have been around you, I want you to consider... Do they dream? Or is it just kind of routine, comfort, safe? And as you think about that, I want you to think about where where you're at in the spectrum here. 
when God gives His Spirit to the church, He says young people are to see visions and old people will dream dreams. This is a part of the inspiration of God. Why is it important to see visions and and to have dreams? Peter is referencing the prophet Joel. Now, for, for, for Joel and Acts 2, there are eight centuries that span these two events. Eight centuries. And half of that time was complete silence. They call it the intertestamental silent years. 400 years. And so from the time of the prophecy of Joel to when Peter said this is being fulfilled, eight centuries passed and half of that time again, God was not saying anything vocally or or through prophets. And so Peter taking a stand, quoting Joel and saying this is what God had promised and he's speaking to a generation that really would have thought of those words now as very random and very, very long overdue. That when Joel first gave the prophecy, he was talking about how God would bring judgment. The the, the day of the Lord, he talked about, that the food would be cut off, gladness would be lost, barns would be torn down, beasts would groan, and the land would dry up, Joel said. And all of this was so that the people of God in that generation would turn back, would would look towards Him. And in so doing, then the pastures would turn green, the trees would yield fruit, the people of Zion would be glad, and there would pour down rain, the early and the latter rains, the threshing floors would be full of grain, and God would make up for the lost years, He says. And then after that, It says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And so the day of the Lord, that terrible day of visitation, of judgment, came. The people in that place turned back, and there was a time where the the pastures turned green again. And in this space, God said, your old people are going to dream dreams. They're going to get out of just seeing the devastation with their eyes and begin to see something else that God is saying, God is doing. And this was important important in the time of Joel. And as Peter was now standing up in front of the men of Judea, think about it for a second. Jesus had came, was born, and then He led His people. That was great. But then He died and He left. That was bad. At least in their eyes for the moment. But then He gave His Spirit And that was needed. And Peter stands up to the people here and he says, I want you not to be able to see with your natural eyes. I don't want you to to think about your, your life through the lens of just the natural eyes. Because when you do so, you rush, you give up easy, you focus on people, you think too small, you feel hopeless, and you always say, it's too late. Think about it. When we're driven by our eyes, we're never satisfied. It's never the right time. We always feel like we've got to rush through things. And we end up feeling hopeless and thinking very small. And Peter's reminding that generation of men and women that were in Judea at that time. And he's saying, listen to me. God promised this 800 years ago. And he was silent for many years within that, within that span of time. 
And I know it's hard to believe, but this is a fulfillment of Joel, of what he promised. And your young people, they will see a different future. Your old people, they will begin to frame their lives differently. I want you not to look with natural eyes because this will slam you in. It will corner you in a place and it will be hopeless and dark. You won't feel motivated to get up. You won't want to move anywhere else because it is hard to be a follower of Jesus right now. It is hard. And in this space, I want you now not to look with your natural eyes because looking with natural eyes, this is self-centered, right? We're looking from our personal vantage point. And from this space, I'm looking out, and as I see it, it's not happening. You're like, I look over there, I look over there, I look over there. It's just, I'm bound, confined to what I see from my one unique perspective. But when we rise higher up, and you gain perspective. You, you remove yourself for, for a moment from where you stand and how you see it from way down there. And you get a higher perspective. You're led not by your natural eyes, but by the dreams God can give and the visions that He has given. Because this takes us out from our unique place right there in the moment and it lifts us up when we get visions and dreams from God. Think of a, a dream that you had. Didn't it make you smile? Think of when you saw a vision of what was so possible and you knew it could be done. How much courage was in your heart? Did you have the money, the backing, the resources, all of the doors of opportunity open at that moment? No. Because if we were only looking, there's not enough doors, there's not enough people, there's not enough resources, we don't go anywhere. Because our natural eyes are only looking just from this space and saying, you know what, um, I feel pretty boxed in right now. But when our hearts open up and God says, here's a dream, here's a vision, it, it, remo- it lifts us. Same space, same time, same few doors, same few people, same few resources, yet we think different, we feel different, and as a result, we act different. It's the dream and the vision that lifts us up and pushes us forward. This cannot be lost. When you gain perspective, it flips everything upside down. You look at this list, it just flips it. When you are led by dreams and visions, you see value in gaps. What do I mean by that? Like, like it's not happening now. But when you have a vision and a dream, even though it's not happening now, you know that there's something good to be fished out of here. That there's something good that I can get in this hard situation, in this difficult season. And you begin to fish it out of there. You begin to grind it out and say, you know what? I'm learning patience. I'm learning true joy here. I'm learning what it means to trust in God here. And in the gap of silence, in the space of being distraught, when you are led by a vision, you see value there. You don't want to escape out of it right away because you know that it's grinding and building your character. It's testing your spirit. And this is all good. And it happens in the gap. In the gap it does. And you remain hopeful. You focus on God. And you're led by big thinking. There's hope that remains. And even though everyone says that train's gone, you say it's never too late. This is the power 
of what it means to be led by a God-inspired dream and vision. If you're at a young, early place in your career, in what you see as still a long, fruitful road ahead of you, be led by a vision from God, a dream that He can give, not by the reality of your current little structure in your company, not by the current number of resources or people that back you and, and support you, but grab a hold of God in prayer and in worship and in your daily contemplation and ask God to download a vision to say, God, when I'm 60, I want to look back at my life and I feel like this is how you're leading and what you want to accomplish through my days. I got a good three Three decades, four decades, some. I got two decades, maybe got one. I got some time. But you're led by that vision. And you're at a different space. You feel like, I, I've, I, I've done that before. And, it, you know, that didn't work. Uh, that world of imagination and make-believe, that's just childish. I, I know better. I'm more mature now. And even in this space, would you ask God to say, Lord, bring my imagination back. Would you help me just to to bring out a blank piece of paper and have some colored pencils and begin just to have some fun again? Not to always draw plans and blueprints, but to be able to escape that for a moment and dream again. Envision something that is not necessarily just realistic, but something that can be possible. Ask God for visions. Ask God for dreams. I'm going to round up. As I begin to round this up, I want to say this. Dreams and visions, it liberates us. It liberates us from from just these things. Right here. Let, let's be honest. We're, we're bound by these. Like, like what we see around us, like it's, that's what kind of frames what we think is possible. And I, I want you to see beyond that. Right? See the beauty in the cracks and wrinkles. And begin to see the color in the dark spaces. The texture. And begin to, to, to say, you know what, my eyes are confined to this and I see from here. But Lord, give me a vision that takes me up and above this. Help me to, to rise above the crest of the trees and be able to see the breadth of the forest. Help me to, to rise even above that and see where the forest fits in the region. And as you continually climb higher in perspective, gaining God's perspective, I believe great visions and dreams can come out of that. And so dreams and visions, they liberate us. And I also believe that if you have the Spirit of God inside of you, our calling is to be a visionary and dreamer. Now, I don't mean that necessarily just in that kind of spooky sense, you know, because sometimes you can have a a somewhat of a kind of a loose negative connotation to that. And I don't necessarily mean that. But what I do mean is that if God is leading your life, and God's Spirit is inside of you, 
that there is room for God-inspired visions and dreams. And if you let that take hold of you, you will be a dreamer. You will be a visionary. And start from exactly where you're at. In that small space of where you currently are, begin to lead your life with dreams and with visions. Amen? Amen.